Okay, good morning. <laughs> you can be seated. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad you're here. So glad those of you that are joining us online are. And we hope that you'll be blessed because you did. So uh, I want to get right to it today, uh, if you don't mind. A uh, lot to get to. We have two services on Sunday morning, the first of which is the Bible prophecy update. We've been doing that weekly for many years now. And the second service, which will be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time, is the actual sermon. It's a verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. We're currently in 2 Peter, an amazing book. <laughs> and today we're going to look at the hopeful and encouraging truth that God knows how to rescue the godly from trials and tribulations. So would encourage those of you that are here that like to stay for both to do so, and then those of you online again, 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. Also, for those of you that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd really encourage you to go directly to the website at jdfarag.org. There you will find the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, let's get started. It is my hope that today's update will be an encouragement to all of us, myself included, and have the much needed effect of recalibrating us. And by recalibrating, I mean adjusting and changing our thinking concerning the common denominator in everything that's now happening. And by common denominator, I mean everything happening in the world today has one thing in common, and it's that it's all against Jesus Christ. That's the common denominator. Namely, specifically, this evil plot afoot and raging war against the Lord Jesus Christ, who, when he returns, rules and reigns over all the earth, all the nations of the earth, at the second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation, not the rapture, before the seven-year tribulation, but at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the second coming, he comes to rule and reign and us with him for 1,000 years. Can't wait. Now, we have the, a problem <laughs> because there's this evil plot and raging war. And this evil plot and this raging war serves as a sign of not only what happens at the time of the end, but also how close we are to the time of the end. Now, I want to start by drawing your attention to Psalm 2. Actually, I would encourage you to join me there. It perfectly and powerfully and prophetically speaks to this aforementioned common denominator. Verse 1, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together, conspire together, if you will against the Lord, and notice the delineation, against his anointed, that's Jesus, the Christ, Christos anointed, saying, verse 3, let us break their bonds, notice that's capitalized, their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. I love that. 
the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then, verse 5, he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet, verse 6, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, carrying with it the idea of bowing and kissing the, the king, the hand of the king. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. What a powerful psalm. So powerful that the writer of Hebrews would refer to it in chapter 1, verse 5, and do so in the context of a rhetorical question. Listen to this. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, Psalm 2, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, we have another very fascinating reference to Psalm 2. Peter and John are arrested for preaching Jesus, <laughs> and they're brought before the Sanhedrin when about 5,000 were saved and a blind man was healed. Subsequent to their arrest, they stand trial and are threatened and forbidden to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Well, what's Peter and John's response? Uh, sorry, <laughs> ain't going to happen. That's a very loose paraphrase of the text. But they respond by telling them that we cannot but speak the name of Jesus and the things which we have seen and heard. Then they're let go with a warning, severe warning, and further threatening. After their release, they return to their brothers and sisters, apprising them of what took place, and they all respond with praise and prayer in one accord. And here is that prayer in which they pray Psalm 2. And listen to what happened after they prayed. Verse 24, Acts 4. This is their prayer. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, 
both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever, listen, your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Can't say that name enough. Now, here's what happened after they prayed, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Ooh. Oh, we need some shaken <laughs> and bacon. Not the bacon, but, you know, with the eggs. But bacon and shaken. This is a holy shaking from the Holy Spirit. And notice it's for boldness, a holy boldness, a sanctified strength to rise up in the name of Jesus, whom all the nations are against. All of the nations of the world are conspiring against, not us, but Jesus. Oh, us by extension and association. Jesus said, hey, by the way, don't take it personal. The world's going to hate you. It's not you, okay? It's me. They hate me. So because you're associated with me, they're going to hate you too. So have a nice afternoon. Just at least know that that's why the world hates you and is against you. James, the half-brother of Jesus, I did not intend in any way to go here, but maybe I need to. James, the half-brother of the Savior. Can you imagine um, growing up with God incarnate as your half-brother? <laughs> no wonder he's like the way he is. When you read James, you walk away from it going, oh. It's not something where you go, oh, praise the Lord. No, you go, oh, Lord. I mean, just in your face. You can't blame him. That's why. Well, he had something to say about this, by the way. The world is against Jesus. The world is at enmity with Jesus. And if you're friends with the world, you're committing spiritual adultery. Actually, it's stronger than that. You'll forgive me. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses. Well, I'm not coming back to James's church. Wow, that's pretty strong. Where's the love? No, that is love. That's the truth in love. Because you cannot be friends with the world. If you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God's. Why are you an enemy of God's if you're friends with the world? Because the world is an enemy with God, against God. Everything is against the person of Jesus Christ. Example. You know, my uh, given name is Wahid Fayez Farag. <laughs> In heaven, I get a new name, but I couldn't wait. So I actually <laughs> can't wait because it doesn't work too well, especially nowadays, right? So. Um, you know, of course, born in Beirut, Lebanon, to an Egyptian father and Jordanian mother, and that was my name. Wahid means, you know, one in Arabic, Wahid. <laughs> Thank you very much. And um, <laughs> is there a lightning bolt coming anywhere? But uh, I, when I came to Christ in 1982, I wanted to kind of get a legal uh, AKA, also known as. And I wanted a name that would give me an opportunity to share my faith. So I came up with the initials JD, which stands for Jesus Disciple. So that whenever anyone would ask me, hey, what does JD stand for? Jack Daniels? 
Okay, there's that boldness you prayed for, remember? Showtime. So I would just say, not quite. It stands for Jesus Disciple. And I mean the whole complexion of that conversation changed. And it's usually followed by something like, okay, excuse my French. Listen, my father taught French in high school. That wasn't French, just so we're clear, okay? Here's my point. When you just even speak the name of Jesus, you have just spoken the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. One more, just real quick. Um, when people take the name of Jesus in vain and speak it in a cursing way, um, ask them this question. And be, be gracious. I, I'm not a good example because I'm, I've always been very militant about it. <laughs> but just ask them this question. Why is it that you don't take the name of Muhammad? Have you, have you ever heard anybody when they're angry and they say, Oh, Muhammad! No. Oh, Buddha! Never. It's always Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. That's the name above all names. <laughs> the name of Jesus. And that is who all the nations of the earth in these last days is against. It's against Jesus the Christ. Okay. Now, that was just the introduction. <laughs> I start this way because the one thing all of the rulers of the nations on earth have in common, the common denominator is they rage and conspire against the Lord. Why? Because the enemy has possessed them and propelled them to destroy everything that God has created. This would include the earth, all plant and animal life on earth, and more importantly, mankind who God created in his image to inhabit the earth. Because the enemy does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. If one would but peel back the layers of everything that's happening in the world today, what you'll find is that without exception, it's all against Jesus Christ. Now on the surface, it may not seem like that. But when you really peel back the layers, that is what this is all about. In other words, this rage against the Lord is at the center of all that is taking place today in every arena of our lives in this world, not our home, this world in which we've long overstayed our welcome. For today, I would like to focus in on two specific areas, environmentally and genetically. Please know that I know these are big by themselves and that I'm keenly aware they deserve the needed time to devote to. As such, I do plan to, as the Lord leads, expound on these topics in the weeks ahead so as to go more in depth. But for today, we'll look at just these two specific areas and how they, along with the many others, all have this one thing in common, which is the nations raging and conspiring against the Lord. Actually, both areas, environmentally and genetically, they go together 
by virtue of how the rulers or conspirators, if you prefer, are plotting this evil genetic modification. Stay with me, please. They're genetically modifying the climate and with it God's creation on earth. And even more evil, they're also attempting to genetically modify humans. And one need look no further than to the revving up of geoengineering, which is being met, sadly, with a measure of success to this evil end. Pictured here is a screenshot from Dane Wigington's website, geoengineeringwatch.org, and an article from back on April 25th of 2015 titled, Living on the Edge of Biological Nature. Now, as I quote from this article, please note that it was written some eight years ago now. Quoting, we are on the brink of humanity and biological nature. We are being deluged with nanoparticulates of known and unknown origins with synthetic created substances of which there is no avoidance. Not only are all fresh and salt waters acidifying, but forests are burning in the hundreds of millions of acres globally, while methane releases are destroying planetary oxygen. We are now fed with unknown, genetically altered and jet-sprayed foods, all containing synthetic, created substances, nano-sized, and as such, unavoidable. Eight years ago, 2015. By the way, this is probably as good of a time as any to address why it is that I reference non-Christian sources like that of Dane Wigington and Geoengineering Watch. First, with respect to someone like Dane Wigington, who I know and talk to, my referencing his work is reaching him for the Lord. He is most interested in a ministry like ours that has taken a serious interest in an organization like his. And it's for this reason that we are praying for Dane's salvation. One more thing on this before we move on, and it has to do with the fact that I've been heretofore unable to find any Christian sources to reference, particularly in Dane Wigington's area of expertise. This is a textbook case of God choosing and using a non-Christian to do that which the Christian should be doing but won't. I didn't say doesn't. No, they won't. So God has to use, well, I think about Elijah. He fed Elijah with an unclean bird. Sometimes God will use a source like that, the non-Christian, the unclean bird. And this is a case of that. To his credit, Dane Wigington has for many years now documented his extensive research in the area of geoengineering. And it's very respectable and very credible. And I will add irrefutable. And here's the truth. God has used this man in my life to open up my eyes to the truth of climate change, climate change. What's climate change? Man changing the climate. Let me try that again. I know that's deeply profound. Climate change, man manipulating, altering, changing the climate. Geoengineering, 
changing, manipulating the climate. And man's manipulating of the weather and changing of the climate is destroying the earth. God's creation. God, creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. And God takes that personally, by the way. And this is prophecy, by the way. Because, see, man is destroying God's creation. So what's God going to do? We just read it in Psalm 2. He's going to destroy them. Did I take too much glee in that? Well, maybe I should just quote the prophecy. It's found in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. Notice the wording being almost verbatim with Psalm 2. The nations were angry. Why do the nations rage? Why are they so angry? And your wrath has come. This is, it comports with Psalm 2. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. During the seven-year tribulation, God will judge those, destroy those who have destroyed his creation. I find myself almost regularly now on a weekly basis, seemingly, quoting the Savior as recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 22, and for good reason. Because it, it's an indication, for lack of a better word, that at the time of the end, it's going to be so bad that God is going to have to intervene for the very survival of mankind on the earth. And he says, if those days had not been cut short, no flesh, no human being would survive. But for the sake of the elect, speaking of Israel during the seven-year tribulation, those days will be shortened. In other words, had God not intervened and cut short those days, it would have been catastrophic in terms of the survival of the creation of God Almighty. Mankind, His creation. This brings me to the second area that I wanted us to focus on today, and it has to do with the satanic plot to genetically modify humans. Now, we'll need to at this time uh, end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook, and hopefully you're already at jdfrog.org. By way of a preface, let me hasten to say that like with GMOs, you know what a GMO is, genetically modified organism, genetically modified organism. This so-called COVID-19 vaccine does not yet alter human DNA. Not yet. However, they absolutely do damage DNA. In fact, you really don't have to look too far or, I mean, it's, it's happening. And doubtless you have heard and maybe even know if it's happened closer to home for you, but people are just dropping dead. They're just dying. And these are young people, healthy people, at the prime of their life, at the top of their game, and they're dropping dead. Why? Was their DNA altered? No, it was so catastrophically damaged. And the gene mutation and the blood clots, it basically killed them, destroyed. The enemy comes not except, I mean, that's a key word. The only reason he comes is 
to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you because you were made in the image of God. He wants to kill you. Can I say it like this? Satan hates your guts, literally. <laughs> but Jesus loves your guts, so he hates you. This is why it is, by the way, parenthetically, let me say, this is why it is that Satan hates the Christian marriage and attacks the Christian marriage. Why? Because of what the Christian marriage represents. It's a microcosm of our relationship with Jesus Christ as our bridegroom. He, he hates the family unit because it's a microcosm of the family of God, our heavenly Father, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I was thinking about this, and I've even commented on this in the past, but uh, think about it like this. We're siblings. That explains everything, doesn't it? <laughs> Sibling rivalry. We're siblings in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We've been adopted into the family of God. And Satan hates the family because of what it represents. The picture that the family points to. So what's his plot? What's his plan? Well, I want to destroy everything that God's created, especially man whom he's created in his image. Now, again, very important. Please hear me when I say this. It's in and during the seven-year tribulation that the human DNA will not only be damaged, it will be altered. And it's evidenced by a number of scriptures we'll look at, but two documented videos, the first of which is from the World Economic Forum titled, Technologists Share Visions of Our Future World. Here's a quote from this World Economic Forum YouTube video, quoting, we're talking about improving biology and redesigning organisms for beneficial purposes. It's going to allow us to not just edit genomes, but also, and importantly, write a new code for life. Oh, really? We'll have right level permissions. Did you catch that? You know, with computers, you can write, overwrite a file will have right-level permissions. We already started to see some of that this year with COVID-19 vaccines. They make use of engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. Close quote. Speaking of the World Economic Forum, doubtless many of you know the annual conference took place in Davos, Switzerland this last week to say that this year's conference has profound prophetic implications would be a gross understatement. I'm not going to take the time today in the interest of time, but I would covet your prayers as I'm hoping to take some time this week, Lord willing, to sort through all of it. There's a lot to sort through especially as it relates to the prophetic significance of what these raging rulers of nations are conspiring to do, Psalm 2. This is Psalm 2. I found this second documented video when I was digging through my archives. It's a TED Talk from back in 2017, now going on five years ago given by an Israeli scientist and Dr. Tal Zaks, who was the former Moderna chief medical officer. The video is titled, The Disease Eradicating Potential of Gene Editing. Now, here are some quotes from the transcript that I also archived prior to the video being deleted from YouTube, by the way. So glad I did. Quote, 
there's this thing called messenger RNA or mRNA, 2017. mRNA for short, that transmits the critical information from the DNA, our genes, to the protein, which is really the stuff we're all made out of. This is the critical information that determines what a cell will actually do. And so we think of it like an operating system. And it's not just in every cell of our body. It's actually in every cell of every organism alive. Animal life, plant life, all life, human life, the cells the DNA, every cell of every organism alive. It's the same thing. And so if you could actually change that which we call the software of life, you could introduce a line of code or change a line of code. And it turns out that has profound implications for everything. You think? We would give the instructions on how to make the protein, how the body can make its own vaccine. That's an mRNA vaccine, and here's what it looks like from the cell. So the traditional approach has protein floating around your cells, and mRNA vaccine approach has the cells themselves in your own body making the vaccine. Listen to this quote. It took us decades and billions of dollars to sequence the human genome, and we've done that. We achieved that in 2003. And now we're less than 15 years later, and it takes us a week. Now we can go and figure out the exact genetic mutation in a patient, and we can use that information to make a vaccine. I prayed, as I always do prior, and I always ask the Lord to, by the Holy Spirit, take that which he's put in my heart and mouth to speak and minister it to your hearts and minds. Because that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to do that. The Holy Spirit has to give us eyes of understanding, ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive. Now I say that to ask this. May I humbly ask that you indulge me for just a moment as we revisit Psalm 2, specifically verse 3. Now, I need to preface this by stating that I am in no way dogmatic about this, but it is at the very least a fascinating possibility. So, let me read Psalm 2, 3 first. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Now, let me expound on it in the context of the possibility that this is speaking about the human DNA. Let us break, splice, CRISPR-Cas9 that cuts out a portion of the DNA and writes, because they have rewriting permissions, by the way, writes in a new code, recodes it, because it's the software of life, remember? And that's not just this former uh, CMO, it's the former Moderna CEO that said the very same thing. In fact, their website, they've since taken it down, but I got a copy of it, documented proof, right there on Moderna's website. This is in 2020. The software of life 
So let us break, splice, or cut away and cast away the pieces of the DNA, cord, or code, that makes us who we are and keeps us as we are. Now, interestingly and even ironically, today in 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter refers to those fallen angels of Genesis 6, verses 1 and 2. And these fallen angels that had sexual relations with the women, the human women on earth, so as to corrupt the human genome, alter the human DNA, damning the human beings, mankind, so that God had to destroy the entire world with a flood, save Noah and his family, who were told Noah was found intact. Tamam in Arabic, tamim in Hebrew, intact, perfectly intact in his genetics. It's an unfortunate rendering in translations, modern translations, because it renders that Noah was found upright in his generations. No, Noah was found to be intact perfectly in his genetics. That's why he was saved. See, Satan, because of Genesis 3.15, often referred to affectionately as the Proto-Evangelicum, the first Bible prophecy, by the way. The first prophecy in the Bible is Genesis 3.15, when God says that it's going to be a war between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. That's the virgin birth, a prophecy about the coming Savior of the world, coming from the woman. The seed? No, women have eggs, not the seed. This is the virgin birth. It's a prophecy of the coming Savior of the world that's going to crush the serpent's head. So there's always going to be this war. Notice the, 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 the spe specificity, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the man. This is what this is all about. And this is what's going on. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so too it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. I mean, certainly the wickedness and the evil <laughs> is on the level of what it was in the days of Noah. But I think there's more, again, specificity in that prophecy. Because in the days of Noah, there was this plot, conspiracy, by the serpent, the seed of the serpent, Satan himself, to corrupt the human genome, to thwart the coming Savior and damn mankind. So it's the same thing with just different wrapping paper now. It's the same thing. No, only this time, he's not, he was unable, obviously, to thwart the first coming of Jesus, but now he wants to thwart the second coming of Jesus. What do you mean? Well, in Revelation, we're told, again, with specificity, that Jesus can't come until the Jews, Israel, of all nations, calls upon him to come. See, Satan knows that. Satan knows scripture, right? Satan knows Bible prophecy. He's a prophecy expert, as well he should be, because it's about him <laughs> and his end, which I can't wait for. So he's been exposed. He's been exposed. His evil agenda and conspiracy has been exposed. We're on to him now. And God has given us insight and wisdom into what he would do and why he would seek to do it. So we know what he's going to do. He's going to seek to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's what he's going to do. Why is he going to do it? Because he wants to damn mankind in his destruction of the creation. And this is his script, if I can say it like that. This is his program, if we want to call it the software of life. This is his software program, his satanic software program. Got to get that in there. So this cord, let's break, cut, 
the cord that binds us to them. Let's cut it and so we're not bound to them. This cord is the DNA strand, which is a double helix binding together like a rope. Again, I'm not dogmatic about it, but it is, I would say, very possible. Because I think the view on the part of expositors that, oh, this is just wanting to be freed from God's, you know, judgment and the, the binding restrictions on man. I, I get it, but the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. And if you want to free yourself from the Lord, you're going to become a slave. It's actually the other way around. I can, I can get there with that. But when it comes to this, this seems more plausible to me. And I'll explain why. And this is even more interesting. So there are four nucleotides or bases in the human DNA. And the four letters of those four nucleotides are A, T, C, and G. These bases form chemical pairs, AT and CG, which is the DNA double helix. Now, what makes this so interesting is when you take the intervals of ATCG and convert the interval number to letters, it spells the name of God, the tetragrammaton, YHWH. Hey, listen, let me just uh, leave it here. Be a Berean, <laughs> search the scriptures, do your own research. There are many that have researched this and come to this conclusion, and it is astounding. We're made in God's image. His name is on us. Oh, number six. Oh, Revelation 2. I just got done referencing it. Um, the greatest blessing that could ever be pronounced uh, in, in the Middle East, in Israel, number six, and also in my culture, in the Arab culture, is to pronounce the name of God upon you. When I was growing up, my mom used to always say, Ismallah alaik, see now synonymous for her, Allah was God. Allah is not the title, Allah is the name. So I changed it, Ism Yasua or Yeshua the name of Jesus is upon you. It's the highest blessing. So when the ironic blessing we know all too well, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, let his countenance be, you know, and, and be gracious unto you and give you peace. And give you peace. <laughs> Sorry. We came up with a song for our boys when they were little. They'll never forget. I think you're scarred by it. But anyway, um, but at the end of that, God tells Moses to command Aaron that he wants his name pronounced upon his people. My name will be upon them. One more. Jerusalem. We saw this. The name of God is literally on Jerusalem. The sheen. Literally. And not just on the Temple Mount, the city of Jerusalem and the valleys the three valleys in Jerusalem. And the sheen looks like our W, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, His name, literally. We, we looked at this. It's been a while now. Maybe I'll bring it up again. I just did. But the name of God is literally on Jerusalem. His city is chosen out of all of the cities, of all of the tribes of Israel to put His name on. So again, what's my point? His name is on us. His name is not only on us, it's in our DNA. Y-H-W-H. -H. Just the consonants, no vowels. Yahweh. Yeah, if you're interested, do a, a study on it. I know you'll be blessed. I know I was. That's so cool. <laughs> no wonder Satan wants to alter the DNA. 
I realize I'm turning an abrupt corner, but I want to come back to this matter of why this yet future DNA alter yet future DNA altering vaccine, so-called, is not yet the mark of the beast yet. Now, I know that I run the risk of an oversimplification when I say this, but this vaccine can't be the mark of the beast yet because we're not in the seven-year tribulation yet. We actually devoted an entire update to why we're not in the seven-year tribulation. We're not. Now, the reasons we know that this so-called vaccine will yet future in some form become a bio-digital mark in the seven-year tribulation is found in the book of Revelation. Let me just go through them starting with Revelation 13, 16. He also forced everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. That's digital programmable currency. Your account can be suspended and controlled and programmed. We've talked about social credit score, climate carbon credit scores. So if you drove your Hummer to the store to buy environmentally unfriendly items, they're going to know it. And they're going to suspend, just like they suspend your social media accounts or limit you. You've been a bad boy, JD. So you can't buy or sell, and they can control it. And that's where it's all headed. It's already here. The technology is already here. So this uh, mark, which is the name of the beast or the number, interesting, of his name, this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Six, the number of man. Seven, the number of completion. Eight, the number of new beginnings, and so on. So how does that tie in with the human DNA? Well, there are some who believe and speculate that this mark, however it is and whatever it is and whatever form it is will in some way have a alphanumeric digital code with instead of Yahweh, it will have not the name of God, but the name of the Antichrist, man. Did that, I hope that made sense because we need to keep moving. Revelation 18, 23. Now, this is where we get even more specific as to why we know that this has to be some sort of a pharmaceutical. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery, pharmakeia in the Greek, where we get our English word for pharmacy, pharma, pharmaceutical, for by your pharmakia all the nations were deceived. Ah, Psalm 2, all the nations. Revelation, all the nations. Uh, chapter 18, the, all the nations. Can I ask you a question? It's rhetorical, I guess. But is it not true that all of the nations of the earth today are being deceived? by this pharmaceutical final solution for the extermination of not the Jews only, but all of mankind. Revelation 9, verses 20 and 21. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not, verse 21, repent of their murders or their, here it is again, sorceries, pharmakia, or their sexual immorality, 
or their thefts. Now, one more, and this is a qualifier for lack of a better word. Not only can we know that this is something pharmaceutical by virtue of these aforementioned passages in Revelation and prophecies, but it would seem that those who have taken whatever this is, it's a medical solution, it's a pharmaceutical solution, and it's now in the bodies, it has doomed anyone who takes it. And they are doomed. Why? Because they're no longer human. And as such, they can no longer be redeemed because Jesus became a man. And to die for man. And Satan knows this. So if he can alter the human DNA so they're no longer man, then they cannot be redeemed. That's what dooms them. So Revelation 16, 2, the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped his image. Does that sound like a uh, adverse event? Let me say the same thing in a different way. Does that sound like a reaction to an injection? Sores breaking out? These are, again, qualifiers. I believe, see, see, God doesn't want us to be ignorant. How many times did the Apostle Paul plead with the early church, don't, don't be so naive, don't be, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the wiles of the devil. I like that King James version of it. The tactics, the strategies, the, the conspiracies conspiring against mankind to destroy mankind. He wants to doom you and damn you and destroy you, and this is how. And it's a deception. It's, a de it's like a, there's, let me just say this lastly. It's like a, there's a magic spell that's been cast on people. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, that's the only thing that comes anywhere close to a an explanation. Other than that, it's inexplicable. How is it? <laughs> it's, it's a powerful delusion, 2 Thessalonians 2. It's like this magic spell. It's a, people are under this demonic spell. They're just, they're just, anyway. I'll end the way we began and simply say that while the rulers of nations may have in common this raging and conspiring against Jesus, he gets the last laugh. And then it's his wrath. It's his wrath. I don't know if you noticed when we were reading Psalm 2, the mercy of God. He actually addresses these rulers and says, you guys repent. Repent lest you, and kiss the, the Savior, kiss Jesus, and bow in worship to Jesus, lest you now have and experience the wrath of God. That's the mercy of God. He's warning them. This is how it ends. And this is how it ends, isn't it? This is the end. And this is why we do these prophecy updates. And I'll take it a step further and say, this is why the prophecy updates have been the way they've been over the last three years. We talked about this on Thursday night. It's not been two years, by the way. My wife and I had a discussion about this, because pastors don't, you know, are, we're perfect in our marriages. We have perfect marriages, so we never argue. We have intense fellowship, as one said, and so we, we have discussions. So she's going, yeah, the last two years, I'm like, no, in Jesus' name. <laughs> three, let's count, 2020, 2021, 2022, three, three years. Stop saying two, it's been three years. Okay. I thought I'd feel better, but I don't, I feel worse, sorry. But this is why the updates have been the way they are and will continue to be the way they are. 
because this is how it ends. This is the end. And this is the good news. What's the good news? Salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is why we end with not only the gospel, but also the ABCs of salvation, which is just a childlike, simple explanation of salvation. So what's the gospel? The gospel is good news. Your debt has been paid. The penalty has been satisfied. And you're free to go. Good news. That's what the word gospel means. What are the ABCs of salvation? Again, just, and please, I find myself saying this almost every week as well. Don't make this into a formula. It's not the way, it's a way. It's something just to equip you with, to have at the ready, should the Lord ever present the profound privilege and opportunity for you to share Jesus with somebody. So what's the A? Well, the A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned. Because unless and until you acknowledge that you're a sinner, you're not interested in the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Usually what you'll find is people will say, well, I'm a good person. Well, you might be a good person, but you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This word sin is an archery term. We've all missed the bullseye. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. Yeah, but I hit the bullseye like 40% of the time. That If you break one commandment, you've broken the whole law. You're toast, you sinner. Yeah, we've all fallen short. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Romans 6.23 packages, if I can say it like that, the bad news first with the good news. What's the bad news? Oh, the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the good news. Well, that's the A. Here's the B, and it's very central. In fact, you could say that it's not just as simple as ABC. It's actually just as simple as B. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Will. And lastly, the C, which comes as an expression of putting your trust in and believing in Jesus. You call upon the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13, and I implore Anyone who might be here today or watching online, if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I implore you today. Today is the day of salvation. Romans 10, 13 promises you that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Oh, hell on earth, hell on earth. Seven years, unthinkable, unspeakable horror and hell. And then at the second coming, hell for all eternity. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish in hell for all eternity, but have everlasting life. Again, I implore you today, call upon Him. Today's the day of salvation. Okay, I want to end with today's But God testimony, which is actually more of a thank you letter that I thought would be apropos, given the nature of today's update. It comes from Lee, who writes, please use only my first name, not surname. 
I know doctors who've been fired, and a Christian doctor like myself would just make their day. Your prophecy update painted into a corner blew my mind. I'm one of only 15% unvaccinated doctors in the UK NHS staff. We forced the government to cancel their mandates, praise the Lord. Last year, I felt that if I get genetically modified, I couldn't be saved, but didn't know anyone else who thought that. My fellow doctors are fully jabbed. Internet research of Kinsman Redeemer was not helpful. Neither are the churches, but let's not go there. Yeah, let's not. Then I hear you explain Genesis 6-9 with the Arabic meaning, i.e. closer to the original than English Bibles of pure in his genetics. I went, wow! Or shall I say, things that make you go, hmm. Just wanted to thank you. Well, you're most welcome. Praise the Lord. Capono, come on up. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. We'll close in prayer and song. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, unto him be all the glory and praise. I, oh, Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we kind of needed this paradigm shift of sorts. Because living in these last days, we are seeing all that's coming against us, but really, it's against you. And we know why, and we know what. We know when, and we know how. And thank you, Lord, for in your word telling us the how, what, why, and when, and where. Lord, thank you that we have Bible prophecy Thank you that you told us what would happen before it happens, so when it begins to happen, believers can lift up their heads and look up, knowing that our redemption draws near. And non-believers, when they see the things that you said would happen before they would happen, begin to happen, that they would believe that you are the I am. I am. Lord, I pray for anyone who has been watching this online, or maybe even here today in this church, that has never called upon you, I, I pray, Lord, please, that they would not leave here without first making the most important decision of their lives for eternal life. And for those of us that do know you and long for you, <laughs> watching and, and waiting and longing for your appearing, Lord, would you just strengthen and encourage our hearts, knowing that that trumpet's going to sound, that everything that we're seeing happen now, you told us would happen at the time of the end, and this is the time of the end. So Lord, come quickly, Maranatha, in Jesus' name, amen.